What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demwing here with y'all as always. On today's episode, we continue our fall snapshot series here on the podcast and uh, wrap up our trip around the ACC, taking a look at the Virginia Cavaliers, the Duke Blue Devils, and the defending national champion, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Reminder that you can get the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. can also watch on YouTube as well. So, as I mentioned, we are going to finish up our fall look here in the ACC. And uh, looking at Virginia, Duke, and Notre Dame today, all three programs that were in championship weekend, Virginia lost to Notre Dame in the NCAA semifinals, 13-12. to Duke lost in the national title game to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, the national champions from a year ago. So we'll look at all three of those teams today. And all three teams that, again, were in championship weekend last year have the potential to be back there in 2024, most certainly want to be back there in 2024. Let's begin here with, you know, go alphabetically here. And we'll start here with the Duke Blue Devils. This is a team that went 16-3 and last year, 5-1 and in the ACC. However, I should mention they went 16-1 and versus everyone not named Notre Dame. That one loss came to Jacksonville in February, the typical February upset there for Duke as they fell to the Dolphins for a second year in a row. Uh, this is a Duke team that returns uh, really quite a bit of talent, especially offensively. Obviously, Brennan O'Neill, the reigning Twilton winner from a season ago. Um, and then you also have Dyson Williams coming back and Andrew McAdoy, uh, two of the other top Returners, this is a offense that was a top five scoring offense last season, 14.84 goals per game. And they also had a team shooting percentage of 32.5%. That was 17th in Division One. They averaged 7.68 assists per game. That was 16th in Division One. And they were also a top 25 man up team, going 34.1% in those. Chances on those opportunities, I should say. Uh, Brennan O'Neill, as I mentioned, Twilton winner, 55 goals, 42 assists, ran this offense, was the leader of this offense last season. And then we also mentioned Dyson Williams. We know what he can do as an off-ball player. And then Andrew McAdoy attacking from the midfield is a, a great threat as well. And so you'd think, you know, this is a Duke offense, doesn't really need um, much in terms of firepower. They lose really one key, you know, top 
5-6 score from last year in Garrett Ledman. But, hey, they bring guys in anyway. Alex Slusher coming in from Princeton. And you also have Josh Zawada coming in from Michigan. This is a, um, what I would call adding fuel to the fire when you look at what both of those guys did a season ago or throughout their careers, I should say, at their prior stops and now coming here to to Duke where they join an offense that is already stacked, already loaded, and they just add fuel to that fire. Um, Alex Slusher, 13 games last season for Princeton, 11 goals, 8 assists, 19 points on the year. Josh Zawada, the, is he the all-time leading point getter or goal scorer? Uh, maybe both. I know uh, assist, I believe, um, uh, up there as well in Michigan history. Uh, 36 goals, 29 assists, 65-point season for him last season. This is an incredible, uh, you, you know, get here for Duke. It's going to be interesting to see how Zawada and Slusher fit into that offense. That, that already has so much power behind it. Um, you know, and, and what we've seen those two do at their prior stops. So th- that is one thing, I think maybe one of the bigger things to look at with this Duke team coming into 2023, excuse me, 2024, you know, how exactly do these guys fit into these offenses? Zawada, is he going to be the man running the show, you know, as an X-type attackman or whatever? Is, you know, Slusher going to be that, you know, third, fourth guy? Um, are, any, are either of them going to come out of the box? How is this going to work? Um it's, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Um, the second thing I would say that, you know, really I, I think would be, um, I, I don't know if I would say it's concerning because we've seen Duke do this um, a number of times. So, you know, when you look at the goalie position here for Duke, um, obviously you had Adler in there for, was it two years? And was really, really good. Um, incredible seasons here. Uh, William Helm stepped in as a graduate transfer last spring. Uh, proved to be the answer. 50% save percentage off 192 stops. He's back in 2024 um, for a, a, another season of college lacrosse. Uh, the was also bring in a pair um, at the position. You have Patrick Jamison coming in as a freshman. And then also Griffin Rackauer coming in as a grad transfer from Princeton. So, um, you know, are we going to see Duke with, you have Mac Fortides coming in from Michigan as well, was a backup there. Uh, Rackauer, you know, was in that goalie battle with Michael Ginofacaro at Princeton early this season before uh, Ginofacaro got that starting job. You know, is this another situation where we're going to see, um, you know, a goalie battle, a goalie Olympics, if you will, goal, moving goalies at Duke. We've seen that um, over the years, and 
could be a case where we see that once again here in 2024 with Lackauer coming in and giving, you know, how he played in the first half of that season for Princeton last season, um, you know, started and played the first half of the season in uh, in the first five games for Princeton, ended the season 56.4% safe percentage, just 44 saves, uh, again, played and started each of those first five games um, and, and played the entire first half of the year before you had Gennifer take over. Um, and then you look at Helm going, you know, 50% last season was right at that 50% mark. And given what Adler had been each of those past couple of seasons, Helm was not up to that caliber, but still very effective. Uh, would be an interesting thing, thing if we do see another goalie situation here at Duke where they do switch guys up here in February. Um, well, not here in February. We're in November right now. But in February, as we've seen them do a uh, couple times before, you know, nothing new there at Duke. But most of all, I think the biggest question for me for Duke uh, does pertain to that offense and just how they're going to fit all those guys in there because there's only one ball. And we saw this with that offense with Michael Sowers I, 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 and even the year after, right? 2021 and 2022, I didn't think were spectacular years for Duke offensively. Yes, they had a ton of talent. Yes, they scored a lot of goals. But things were changed up week to week to week. And it looked like at times, what's going on? Um, you didn't know who was playing what role on what day. So th- th- that is something to look out for for Duke in 2024. Now, they got things sorted out last year and were incredibly good, incredibly consistent. If they can figure it out this year, that should be the case once again. Moving on here to the defending national champions, Notre Dame. Um, th- this is a program coming off a historic season. They reached the top of the mountain in the sport for the first time ever, topped ACC foe Duke on Memorial Day to secure the program's first ever national championship. And they did so while avenging the fact that they were left out of the tournament a year prior. Obviously, as the defending national champions, the Irish come into the 2024 season with as big of a target on their backs as any team in college lacrosse. The Irish will also come in the spring with a roster that kind of hasn't been depleted much at all from that championship run. The Kavanaugh brothers are back to run that attack line, um, albeit you will have Pat Kavanaugh you know, possibly miss some time early on with an injury. Um, was out this fall. Hopefully he's back and in, 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 in full swing for uh, the spring, and, and, and we hope so. He could be a guy that's on stage again uh, in May getting a Twilton award or being a Twilton finalist once again. Um, Liam, Liam Intamin returns in cage as one of the best goalies in college lacrosse, one of the best in the ACC, to be sure. And that's just, when you look at this Notre Dame roster, the tip of the iceberg there. There's a ton of talent all over the place for this Notre Dame squad. Now, they do lose Chris Fake. They do lose Chris Conlin to uh, talented Poles that were graduate transfers last season from Yale and from Holy Cross. Brian Tevlin, who came up really big uh, in the postseason for them as a two-way midfielder and really a spectacular player uh, throughout the season and throughout his career at Yale for four years. And then at Notre Dame last season, a two-way midfielder there. They do 
lose him. Um, but as I said, Kavanaugh's back, Intamin's back, Eric Dobson, uh, you know, probably my favorite player on this Notre Dame roster, the uh, Fleming Island, Florida native, big midfielder who uh, has really become, uh, over the past couple of years, a uh, really, in many ways, the leader of that midfield um, and really a, a really true threat uh, from up top for Notre Dame. Will Lynch also comes back after having an improved season as a sophomore at the faceoff dot. So um, when you look at this Notre Dame team, um, there's really, you look at it and there's not too many question marks. Uh, there are some, you know, at the midfield where, where you do lose some pieces. Um, and there are some pertaining to how these transfers fit in. And I haven't mentioned these transfers yet, but uh, Notre Dame does add Devin McLean, attackman from Brown, Jake Bonomi, uh, midfielder from Michigan, as well as B.J. Burlace, uh defenseman slash LSM from Maryland, and Danny Parker, a short-stick defensive midfielder from Virginia, excuse me, from Virginia. So he comes in there as well as Burlace, as we mentioned, Bonomi and McLean. Now, let's talk about this uh, offense first. So, from a unit that averaged 15.5, goals per game last spring, as the third best scoring offense in college cross, they return, as I mentioned, the Kavanaugh brothers, um, Pat Kavanaugh rehabbing an injury this offseason. We hope he can go full speed in the spring, 100%. Eric Dobson comes back as well, 34 goals, 11 assists last season. Jake Taylor also comes back. Remember, he came back halfway through the season. I believe it was 30 goals, 3 assists last season. Um, that's a strong foundation. That is a extremely strong foundation. You also get a pair of high-powered transfers. Attackman Devin McLean from Brown, midfielder Jake Bonomi from Michigan, both coming in as grad transfers. McWayne gives the Irish another, another scoring threat. He was a phenomenal playmaker and goal scorer for uh, Brown each of the past two seasons. Uh, and then Bonomi can help at that midfield. I mentioned some graduation there. Jack Simmons as well as Quinn McCann both gone at that midfield. Uh, Bonomi working there at the midfield with Eric Dobson would be a uh, incredibly, incredibly powerful duo there for the Irish. Um, no, McLean and Bonomi, again, adding fuel to the fire. They add uh, even more high-powered talent to this high-powered offense. How these two fit in that system is going to be something to watch, uh, not only early on, the, early on in the season, but how the spring unfolds, how those guys are used. Now, on the defensive side, I, I think it might be even a bigger question, and it's never a good idea, I think, to question how good the Notre Dame defense will be because you always expect them to be a top 10, top 15 defense year in and year out. And they typically are. No matter who they lose, they've appealed and replaced defensively very, very well. Notre Dame ended last season with the sixth best scoring offense, excuse me, defense in college cross, allowing an average of 9.69 goals per game. That unit was anchored by William Intamin, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, 196 saves, 57% save percentage. You don't have to worry about him 
there in between the pipes. That's taken care of. You do lose Chris Fake. You do lose Chris Coleman. Senior Marco uh, Napolitano was the third guy at close. And then additionally, you had a rope unit led by Brian Tevlin. And then Will Donovan was their top LSM. Intamin, Napolitano, and Donovan are the only three from that defensive core coming back. Only three coming back from last season from that defensive court. Now, you do bring in B.J. Burlace from Maryland, who was a very highly uh, talented high school player and was in the mix uh, at Maryland at that LSM spot. You also get in short-stick defensive midfielder Danny Parker, who was very good at Virginia. Part of it was a very strong rope unit there uh, for the uh, Cavaliers. Senior Ross Bergmaster also is returning for this Irish squad, I should mention. 16 ground balls, 4 cars turnovers uh, last season. He has had some time starting at close. Um, You know, this Notre Dame defense, again, you never want to sit here and question how good this defense is going to be. But I do question and I do uh, look at how this defense is going to fill out. And there are question marks in my head because that is one thing for this Notre Dame defense that we just do not know at this point. And we are going to find out when they take the field for the first time in February. And look, if they can get this defense rounded out, if they can find that alpha guy, those alpha guys that they need uh, to replace a Chris Fake or Chris Conwin, this is a team that very much could repeat as national champions, a team that very much could be back on Memorial Day, on Memorial Day weekend, playing in championship weekend, playing at the highest level of the sport. Now, the last team to focus on here is the Virginia Cavaliers. And this is a program that won a national title in 2019, won another in 2021, failed to get back to championship weekend in 2022, but returned in 2023, falling in overtime to the eventual national champion, Notre Dame, 13-12. The loss denied the Cavaliers the right to play on Memorial Day for a third time in four tournaments. They've been there on championship weekend three times out of the past four tournaments. However, this is one of the best programs in college lacrosse at the moment. This is one of the most, um, I would say, machine-like programs in college lacrosse at the moment as they just keep churning out season after season after season in which they are not only competing for an ACC title, but also competing for a national title and, again, winning two uh, over the past uh, four tournaments, 2019 and 2022. This is a program that also had uh, quite a bit of change this offseason as uh, you had Kevin Cassis come in as the offensive coordinator from uh, being the head coach at Lehigh. He replaced Sean Cohen, who took over as the head coach at Dartmouth. And this is a... A, 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 an offense at Virginia that 
has Sean Cohen's prints all over it. Um, we know how impactful he was with this offense and how this offense took hold, right? Um, Sean Cohen leaving to take the head job at Dartmouth uh, hurts. And he's not only he's not the only loss this offense has. Uh, Virginia loses three of its top six scorers from a year ago. Xander Dixon, Jeff Connor, and Thomas McConvey. And they take 162 points with them. However, despite the losses there and changes on that end, Virginia still returns 188 points between Connor Schallenberger, Peyton Cormier, and Griffin Schutz. In addition, they've added grad transfer Jack Bowden, Boyden, excuse me, from Tufts. He was the Division III Turnbull Award winner for the uh, Most Outstanding Attackman. He was also the Iroquois National Outstanding Player of the Year in 2023 in Division Three as well. Helped lead the Jumbos to a 22-1 season that ended with a loss in the national title game, Division Three. 157 points, 69 goals, 88 assists. And when you look at Virginia this fall and some of the um, clips you've seen, some of the talking points coming out of Charlottesville, it is that Jack Bowden is the real deal and, and could be the next D3 to D1 jumper to be a star um, in these ranks. Um, this is a Virginia offense that not only adds him, but also uh, returns some key role players there. Patrick McIntosh, Sutherland. And, oh yeah, number one recruit, McCabe Millen, headlines the uh, the freshman class there um, and you know, is expected to be a very talented player at the college level, obviously a son of uh, Mark Millen. And this is an offense that was number one in scoring last season, 17.24 goals per game. Uh, they will have no shortage of firepower. Once again, no shortage of options. Connor Schellenberger looks like his uh, his health is on his side after being uh, a little banged up last season and even the year prior to an extent. He's healthy for a full season. He can be a Torrington winner um, for sure. And you look at all these guys around him, Cormier shuts. If Boyden pans out to be what he has, you know, appeared to be or looks to be in the fall, that's going to be great as well. Um, you know, with this freshman class, you never know how a freshman's going to come in and take things over, right? Uh, but McCabe Millen brings a lot of hype, obviously, and he's not the only talented freshman in this class coming in, but but, but is the uh, you know headliner for sure uh, number. You look at this freshman class, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys on the offensive end. All that could uh, contribute or, 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 or could see some kind of role here in the next few seasons for the Cavaliers for sure. Uh, so this offense and, and kind of how it looks like under Kevin Cassis and, and, and if there are any differences or, or if they don't if they don't slow down at all, right? Like if it just goes faster, you know, there's a lot of things that, that could happen here with this Virginia offense. I think... The biggest is just where guys are placed, how they're playing guys, what roles they put them in, um, you know, and, and Schoenberger being the quarterback, possibly uh, there once again here for the Cavaliers. Um, maybe you have one, 
you know, QB1, QB1A, like they did a couple of years ago, being Shelmer and, and, and Boyden or someone else. Uh, so a, a number of different looks we could see offensively, but still expect that to be uh, pretty solid. Uh, the biggest thing for me, I think, for Virginia, you know, you look at their departures, Xander Dixon, P.D. Lasala, and Cade Sostad are, are three of the top, uh, you know, departures from a year ago, right? Uh, I think P.D. Lasala is, is probably the one I look at and, and I circle the most. Obviously, Dixon had a, had a stellar season last year for them, leading them, leading them in goals, breakout senior season. Cade Sostad has, has been a mainstay there on defense. You still got a guy Cole Castro back there as well as Matthew Nunes and Cage, who's only gotten better. Uh, but P.D. Osala, he's been a mainstay there since his freshman year at the faceoff dot. He went 55.5% last season at the dot. Also had 12 goals and dished out one assist. He was not a one-trick pony. He was a guy who could stay on the field and was obviously, uh, or, or honestly I should say, the most, uh, you know, one of the most impactful players on the roster and certainly in the middle of the field where he could get a lot of stuff done, not only at the faceoff dot, but also uh, in those off in that offensive area as well. Um, just a, a, an incredible player uh, that Virginia loses there. Um, in attempting to find the answer at the dot, though, Virginia they go to the transfer portal. They add Matthew De Souza out of Binghamton as a graduate transfer, while also grabbing Anthony Gobriel from Navy. Um, Look, you had D'Souza was the top option for Binghamton each of the past three seasons. Is coming off a campaign this past spring where he went 138 for 222. That's 62%. Gobriel was Navy's primary faceoff man in 2023 as a sophomore. Strong season for him. Breakout season for him, you could say. 185 wins off of 306 draws. 60.5%. Uh, De Souza was ninth in Division One in faceoff percentage. Gobriel was twelfth. These were two of the top faceoff men in the country, statistically speaking, last season. Um, does Virginia go for a 50-50 approach? Does one guy win out as a top option? Um, I, I should also mention Thomas Colcucci, a faceoff man from Colgate, also comes in there as well at the faceoff dot. Um, so, I mean, there are options here at the face-off dot. D'Souza, Gobriel, the, the, the two main names to know there. And they are guys that are proven um, at their prior stops. They're coming to Virginia, and they are going to maybe both, maybe one or the other, you know, going to make a big difference there at the face-off dot and provide um, a, a much-needed service there for the Cavaliers um, last little transfer I want to mention here, Chase Yeager from Harvard, short stick defensive midfielder. Um, I, I mentioned some guys returning on that back end, Castro Nunes, you know, obviously headlining there, but, you know, we've seen that defensive midfield spot be a strong place, a strong, uh, stable there, uh, that, that Virginia keeps and, and has had for a number of years. Yeager, just another guy adding to that as a grad transfer from Harvard this season in 2024 and like once again look Virginia as I said they've been to championship weekend um no four or three out of the past four tournaments 
That could be four out of the past five. Um, that's a very, very real possibility with the talent this team has. And, and once again, all three teams we talked about today, Notre Dame, national champions from last year. Duke, national runner-up from last year. Virginia, national semifinalist from last year. All could be in those spots or in similar spots. We could be saying the same thing about each of them this time next year in terms of or in relation to what their season was in 2024 because they do bring that kind of talent, that kind of firepower, that kind of persona to the game here in 2024 as three of the best teams in the country, no doubt about it. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter slash X, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Uh, that X is throwing me off now. Um, thanks, Elon, but good job. Um, LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always Lacrosse season.